The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. What we do as speech coaches is to help people be much more engaging, effective, and confident speakers. We don't coach people to be something they're not. We coach them to be the best versions of themselves. Does your audience want information, a lot of logic? We are communication coaches, speech coaches. We have a lot of different hats. We here want to help people. We want to give them tips, tools, and techniques that would make them more impactful, more effective, and build their confidence. We know each other well as friends and also in terms of our expertise as coaches. That's why we're together here with you. Welcome to the Speech Queens. Do you need to be more effective, interesting, and successful both professionally and personally? Well, you've come to the right place. The Speech Queens are here to elevate your communication. Now, here they are. Lori Schloff, Tori Hollingworth, and Janine Grabley. All right. Welcome to Boston and Beyond. Welcome to the Speech Queens, a podcast that is exclusively focused on elevating your professional communication, presentation skills, and leadership skills. My name is Tori Hollingworth, and I am so pleased to be here in the inaugural garb to launch what we call the Speech Queens. Today's podcast, we will focus on how to speak and lead with impact through your communication skills. Are you looking to enhance your leadership communication skills, looking to build confidence as a communicator, looking to strengthen your ability to communicate more effectively with your teams, with your clients, or with those who you report to? Well, you have come to the right place. But first, before we launch into all the exciting subject matter at hand, I would like to introduce the royalty that I have around me here in the studio, and those are my colleagues. Lori Schloff, welcome. Hello, Your Highness of Speech. Why, thank you, my lady. Uh, Lori is often referred to, not jokingly, as the queen of speech. And she has earned that title through many years of experience. Although if you saw her, you'd see she looked very young. True. I hope. And my colleague to my left is Deneen Grabley. Hello, hello. Deneen, we like to lovingly refer to as the Duchess of Speech. Thank you. I like that, Deneen the Duchess. Has a good Alliteration just rolls right off the tongue. And then myself, again, I am Tori Hollingworth, and I humbly refer to myself as the Speech Princess. Soon to be a queen. (laughs) I'm waiting for Lori to give me that scepter. And uh, hopefully it will come in due time and it won't be similar to what's going on in uh, England where uh, Charles has been waiting for quite a long time. Mm. Anyway, uh, together we are the speech queen. So welcome. Let me just give a little detail in terms of what we do and and what to expect during the podcast and how to get the most out of the experience. Um, A lot of times we get asked, uh, what is it exactly you do? Our titles are speech coach. Our title can be executive coach. We are trainers. We do group workshops. We do one-on-one. So we really wear a lot of different hats. Um, What do you think, Lori, when people ask you, what do you do? 
how do you encapsulate that succinctly and clearly? Well, I try as we coach our clients to talk about the value we might bring. So I'm, I would probably tend to say something like, we help you to develop the relationships and presentation style that will help you to get the results you want. Very good. I do a similar thing. I often say to people, you know how most business presentations are boring? Well, I help make them much more effective, exciting, and fun for both yourself and the audience. The key to effective communication is knowing it's not about you. It's about the receiver. So that's one of our mantras here as the speech queens. So today's focus is primarily going to be on speech communication as it relates to leadership. And I'd like to dive into a couple of aspects of that. The first one being a leader when they themselves are a leader, how do they communicate? What are the expectations and uh, and what changes in terms of speech communication when one is a leader? And then the second element I'd like to touch on, which I think is equally as valuable, is what changes when you are presenting to someone who is senior? How does the expectation change, the word choice, the organization, how you look and how you sound, et cetera? So... There are a couple of things that come to mind, and ladies, please jump in. Mm -hmm. When someone is a leader and they are presenting, and by the way, when we say presenting, a lot of people think formal presentation in front of a large room with a podium. Presentation to us can be when you're speaking on the phone, when you're facilitating a meeting, when you're having a one-on-one conversation, delivering feedback to someone or a difficult conversation, Or it could be, and I know Lori has done this because I've witnessed it, when someone is presenting to a group of 5,000 in Las Vegas. I know, Lori, you've coached a lot of speakers in that situation. Yep. So to me, top of head, when I'm coaching someone who's either new to a leadership position or needs to, or I've been brought in to work with them because they don't seem to be carrying themselves as a leader or projecting themselves as a leader... What comes to my mind is strategic messaging, being succinct with your delivery and your messaging, and a polished and confident delivery. Would you all agree? Mm -hmm. And I think it's blending who you are, your authentic style, with some of the best practices that we teach. You mentioned uh, strategic communication. One quote I love about leadership is a leader is someone who has a theme that he or she repeats frequently. So as a leader, come up with what is your company all about? What is your team all about? And just like you asked us, how do we describe what we do? Perhaps leaders out there or would-be leaders out there can think about you know, what's your goal? What's, what's your mission? And how do you put it in, into words? And what do you want them to remember? So one of the classic pieces of advice that I give during my workshops or when I'm working with an individual is you might have 45 minutes to present. I guarantee you that if someone missed your presentation and asked someone who was there, a listener in the audience, what did he or she say They're going to encapsulate that 45 minutes in two to three sentences if you're lucky. So I always say you better figure out what you want those sentences to be because you don't want to leave it to chance. 
And that goes right back to what you said, Lori, in terms of being strategic with your messaging. Exactly. I agree. And I often find, too, people don't realize just how important effective communication is when you are a leader. One thing that I notice is people aren't so much aware when you are a leader, you are communicating with so many different types of people, and you need to alter your communication style or the the delivery depending on who or whom you're speaking with. Customization is key. In fact, uh, being succinct, what do you think about that, Deneen, when we talk about that? What, what are you running into or experiencing a lot when you're coaching? I find a lot of people find it really challenging to be succinct. We're overloaded with information and, and data today that very often I find there are these data dumps where just, they are giving so much information. And like you said earlier, Tori, they can't remember it all. They will right. remember maybe one thing, and you need to decide what is the most important thing you want them to remember. We call it drinking out of the fire hose. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> in, in, in getting more to the point, as we say in speech communication, to be more deductive, getting right to the point, not giving so much background information because you will lose the people and other leaders don't have a lot of time. So when you are a leader at the executive table, you need to get right to the point. Agree 100%. And I would say uh, when I am coaching, I'm often saying, I want you to put yourself in the listener's position. It's so challenging. Don't you all agree, Queens? It's so challenging to to listen well. I would say in all of the communication domain that we coach on, the hardest skill to master is listening. In fact, we should probably devote a future podcast to listening as a skill. So the onus is on the speaker to not only engage Uh, the listeners, but to hold their attention so that the message is delivered well and clearly. Exactly. And I think people forget that listening is a skill. It is a part of communication. So great point, Tori. Once I worked with a leader who was very engaging one-on-one. For some reason, she thought when she was leading a meeting, she had to do all the talking. And it was a huge relief for her to know that the best leaders are what we call facilitators. And think of the word facilitate. It has the word facile in it, which means making something easier. Absolutely. And, Lori, this brings me to something that you bring up a lot, and I've witnessed you coach on it, and I think it's such a great jewel of information, and that is leaders should really be aware of their speaker-to-listening ratio. Mm -hmm. We think that... We're going to be more liked and respected if we speak well, and that's, that's true. However, you'll probably score more points as a leader for being a good listener to others' ideas, to what challenges your managers are facing. Or your customers. To, even to critique, absolutely. And giving feedback. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes it's hard to listen because you might become a leader because, you know, let's face it, you might have a lot of confidence and a big ego. And you like to be the star of the show. Mm -hmm. We don't know any clients like that at all. Never (laughs) been able to boss them. No, I think that's brilliant. I love that advice. And a lot of times leaders are unaware of their listening to speaking ratio. So when we bring it up in one-on-one coaching or in feedback to them, they often say, I didn't realize I do talk too much or... I never thought about it. And that's what we do. We help people explore themselves and become Mm self-aware. 
good reason to record yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, one of our when we do workshops, one of our go-to techniques is to have everyone uh, when they go up to speak be recorded on their own smartphone. And a lot of times people moan and groan and say, oh, I don't want to do it. It's awful. It's awful. It's actually the one element we get the most pushback on. However, it also ends up being the most valuable tool for self-evaluation and really opening up your eyes. I never realized I looked at the ceiling when I thought. I didn't realize that I did that strange gesture with my left hand. Um, I've had some funny ones. Uh, I didn't realize I needed to lose 25 pounds. And I said, well, I'm not a miracle worker. I cannot fix everything in one full day session. But, uh, but very helpful. And, you know, when we do uh, this recording, there's a technique that the three of us all use that's very handy. And I urge anyone listening to, to do this for themselves. And that is we advise them to mute it and watch it. Watch the video, the recording, and is that how you want to look when you present or speak or communicate? And then the second opportunity for self-evaluation is we ask them to unmute it, put the microphone or speaker up to their ear, and listen to it. Is that how you want to sound? And as we all know, the way you look and how you sound are the largest contributors to a first impression. And a lot of people think it's the words they use. It's actually not. It is the way they look and the way they sound. In fact, the research shows it's actually how you look is more important when you communicate versus how you sound. And uh, a lot of people will say, oh, that doesn't make sense. That sounds superficial. When we say this, we're not necessarily saying the jewelry you're wearing or the hairstyle. That can be a distraction. But what we're saying is the way your body stance speaks, the way you gesture. Do you gesture purposefully? Your Do facial you expression, your right? Facial, your eye contact, smiling, using your speaker space. These all are elements that contribute to a positive and what we call a polished first impression. We want to give you the opportunity and the tools so that when you open your mouth to speak or you walk in that room, you're already projecting a confident, polished impression because uh, those impressions are made. There was just a, actually research. I know, Lori, you're the research queen, but I did happen to uh, do some research on this. In Princeton University, they did a study about how long it takes to make a first impression when someone's communicating. And on average, it was four seconds. Oh, my gosh. Well. So we want to, as Speech Queen, set you all up for success. And we want those first impressions to be positive. Because how long does it take to erase or reverse a negative first impression, Queens? A long time. Sometimes never. So we want to set you off on the right foot in terms of your first impression. So excellent. Now, I want to talk a little bit about confident delivery as well. Um, what are your thoughts on, on something that I'm seeing a lot? I don't know about you in industry as we have millennials coming in. Uh, there's a lot of Kardashian-isms out there in terms of a tight throat. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. And what we call up talk. So 
What are your thoughts on up talk and tight throats as it relates? <laughs> tight throats. I love that. <laughs> Be careful with that language. I know another thing with throat. Anyway, a little naughty here. Naughty queens. Now I cannot naughty let my queens. family members hear this podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Lauren. So, yes, there is something that leaders want to avoid. It's called vocal fry. And for some reason, it's getting a lot more press than it used to. I have noticed, because I have a daughter in her 20s, that communication in general is more casual. So how can you combine, if you're a young leader, being casual but also effective? Mm -hmm. What's the difference, Lori, between vocal fry and glottal fry? Are they the same? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's talking... At a pitch that's lower than what we call your optimal pitch. And there's something to do with, with I would the, say, air, the way the air is coming yes, through. Yes, you're, you're squeezing the air, and there's a, uh, a tightness. Mm-hmm. And you could almost feel it if everybody says, hi, hi, you can feel a little bit more. Now, Lori, since you're the, the queen of speech, and truly you are in terms of accent modification and speech, she, well, you have a degree in... Well, a long time ago, speech pathology. Yes, so this is right up your alley. So how would you coach someone who had vocal fry? Mm-hmm. It's really weird because I actually coach someone today. And usually what I say is, you want to get your voice above sea level. I mean, S-E-A. And I demonstrate to them that now you're talking normally, but now it's going down. Mm-hmm. And the goal always with anything we do is first you have an external coach, an expert like us, like the queens. And the ultimate goal is to coach yourself. So hopefully my client will be able to notice when she does this so they can catch and then get a different pitch. Right. It's almost like speaking too quickly. When one speaks too quickly, which, by the way, is another element to how you sound and being confident. And if someone's speaking very fast like this, it's very hard to keep up with them. And then the listener gives up and you don't sound very confident. I don't sound like a leader. But back to vocal fry, I, I think just like with rate of speech, as you said, our goal is to introduce the issue to them so that they're self-aware. Number two, give them tips or tools to overcome the issue. And then number three, to be able to catch it as they are Mm -hmm. presenting or Mm -hmm. speaking. Uh, I always say about when someone speaks too quickly, I say, well, the good news here is you can catch yourself. So literally you can start speaking too quickly and then I'm, okay, Tori, slow down. You know, you're, you're a little too fast right now. And that's something you can regulate on the fly. Mm-hmm. Denise, tell me about what you think about uh, uptalk, because we're getting a lot of that too lately. I do. I do see a lot of uptalk. And for those of you listening who do not know what uptalk is, it's when someone says a sentence, but it sounds like a question. And they put a question mark at the like end a of everything. Girl. Exactly. Just like a valley girl. Oh, we're showing our age. Valley <laughs> girl. And same thing. I think a lot of it, it goes to that self-awareness. I, I feel that's really this theme today. A lot of people aren't really aware of the areas that need that are they need to work on. And with the the uptalk, I find the majority of my clients who use it, they are not even aware. And when they are aware, they don't realize they use it as much as they do. So as you were saying earlier about having them just listen to themselves and have them really concentrate on just how often they are using it. And once they have that self-awareness, I find it so much easier to to catch. 
I have a funny story as it relates to Uptalk. So it, it's something that's pervasive and, and people are not super aware of, but it sounds almost like a kindergarten teacher, like, hello, boys and girls. Mm. Today we're going to be covering these <laughs> topics. And people tend to fall, just like with a lot of the coaching that we do, we're kind of re-engineering these bad habits they've fallen into. And so most of my coaching experiences are quite successful. However, I remember there was this incident, and this is very entertaining, where I was working with this group of folks at a major software company in Cambridge, and I was talking about Uptalk when I was coaching one of the participants in the workshop. This woman was a real overachiever. She was a black belt. She had climbed a million mountains and was you know, very precise and prided herself on, on being the best at whatever she chose to do. So it was very hard for her to receive feedback that I told her she spoke in with Uptalk. And she challenged me on it and said, I, I, don't, I don't think you're right. I don't hear it. So I recorded it and played it back and I mimicked, you know, reflected it back to her. And she literally had a meltdown. She told me to F off. <laughs> wow. And then she sat down and pouted for the rest of the workshop, which was kind of interesting because I was like, I honestly was in my mind thinking, okay, what am I going to do? You know, when someone's having a meltdown, you're like, mm-hmm. how do I respond to this? Do I not? Do I just let the, let the storm rage over me? And do I pretend it didn't happen? So I actually addressed it in the way of saying, look, I'm sorry if you're feeling this way, but let me tell you why I bring this up to you. I am here as your coach to make you the best you can be. And it's my job to help you refine these elements. So if I didn't care about you, I would just say, great job. Go sit down. Clap, clap, clap. I said, but I really see the potential here. And I view this as the only thing that's really holding you back. Well, she rolled her eyes. I had to race to Logan to grab a plane to Indianapolis for another job. And it was one of those weird situations where I was double booked. So I had to actually come back and work with the same group in three days. So I did phase one where I got told off and it ended on that awkward note. I ran to the uh, airport. I worked with another group for two days and then I came back and I had to face Lisa. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, I have no idea what's going to happen. She walked in happy, thrilled, loved me. What a wonderful experience this had been. And I never said anything to her boss. I didn't, you know, it was, I kept it low key. And at the end, uh, the woman who had hired me, who was her boss, pulled me aside and said, so tell me what happened with Lisa on Tuesday or whatever it was. And I explained it and she said, oh, now you know why I drink copious amounts of wine with this group. (laughs) (laughs) She might even have more than one Lisa. (laughs) So that was kind of one of those uh, war stories. Do you have any war stories? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, my clients have some war stories. I think the biggest war story for a leader is when he or she prepares their tail off, which coaches recommend, And then either their talk is cut in half at the last minute Uh, or they're on a panel and they're the last person on the panel and the second person on the panel totally cuts into their time. The domino effect. Right. So some of my really obsessive clients over-prepare by preparing the 20-minute talk, the 10-minute talk. The five-minute talk, and I can't really stop them because I know in reality that can happen. 
very, very valid point and so true. When we coach in the real world, you think you have 30 minutes to speak, especially at a conference or if you're on a panel, and suddenly that shrinks to uh, 15 or 10. And they tend to just continue with the same 30-minute speech, but just speak very quickly. Mm -hmm. And this goes into being prepared. People don't realize when you are communicating, you need to prepare for your communication, which is actually a podcast I will be doing a little bit later. Nice sell. I was just going to say, that will be great. Nice sell. <laughs> I'm impressed. Right. We need, we need preparation, not desperation. At least a lot of my clients <laughs> definitely need to prepare more. But Very like good. you said, Lloyd, you prepare them if they're going to talk for 30 minutes, but it might be 20, it might be 10, it might be 5, and that's part of our job, giving them, again, that, that awareness that things may not go the way they think, and they need to be prepared. Absolutely. Okay, so we've done a nice job, I think, of hitting the highlights in terms of when you're a leader, what are the expectations, and how to make a strong first impression and come across as confident and succinct with your messaging. The question is, though, uh, what about when you're presenting to a leader or a C-suite executive? How does that change? Well, when you're communicating with a leader, you need to be succinct. Again, the higher up you go within an organization, the more deductive, the more succinct you need to be. Again, because they don't have a lot of time. They hired you for your expertise. They don't need to know all the details. If they want those details, they'll ask for it. But the long and short of it, be succinct. The short of it, right? One day, the president of a large insurance company called me over and said, Lori, help. Exactly what you're saying, Deneen. The people who were reporting to this guy were going on and on and on. So I was lucky, got some good business out of it, because he asked me to develop a program called dot, 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 executive briefings. Mm. Love it. Yep, we get that a lot. In fact, I've had two requests for that in the last uh, month at least. And I'm going to Orlando, Florida to a uh, conference in a month where I'll be coaching on this very subject. And one of the elements I think is really important to remember when you're presenting upward is that the C-suite executives want you to put yourself out there and give them a recommendation or a suggestion or a prediction. Uh, quite often, I think speakers get subject matter expert and thought leader confused. Mm. Subject matter expert is someone who has a broad and deep knowledge of their subject matter. A thought leader is someone who takes that knowledge and drives the conversation or the recommendation, thinks out of the box, comes up with recommendations and suggestions. That's where I think when you're presenting to C-suite, you're presenting to a client or a customer, they look to you to take that knowledge and recommend or guide, give them suggestions. Oh, good point. So that works well. Good distinction. Okay, so now we're at this point in our podcast where we have this tradition where we like to analyze some public speakers who you might be familiar with and we thought it would be a good idea and uh, in, in reality we coach on both sides of the aisle here as queens so we are not committed to one side or the other professionally but since it is the democratic primary season we thought it would be timely and interesting to analyze uh, several of the, of the front runners so we have begun with Biden, naturally Joe Biden, because he has been out in front for so long, 
And uh, it would be very fun to have an opportunity for us to analyze Joe Biden as he presents at the debates. The bill he talks about is a bill that, in my our administration, we passed. We passed that bill that you added on to. That's the bill, in fact, you passed. And the fact of the matter is, secondly, that there was nothing done for the entire eight years he was mayor. There was nothing done to deal with the police department that was corrupt. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine? Um, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you, need to, <laughs> you need to come to the city of Newark and see the reforms that we put in place. The New Jersey head of the ACLU has said that I embraced reforms, not just in action, but in deeds. Mr. Thank Vice you. President, you didn't answer my question. What did you mean when you said, when a woman works outside the home, it's resulting in, quote, the deterioration of family? No, and I... that we are avoiding, these are quotes, it was the title of the op-ed. Oh. And that just causes concern for me because we know America's women are working. Joe Biden told wealthy donors, that nothing fundamentally would change. Okay, well, he was getting pummeled there, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, clearly, that was a spliced uh, series of clips from the debate where he, we were um, watching some of them try to take a whack at him like a pinata since he seems to be the front runner, <laughs> trying to make their space on the stage. Okay, so what did Joe Biden do well here, Queens? I like that he repeated the important facts, the important information that he wanted the listener to remember. I think he did that twice, I believe. His voice quality in, uh, here and in general is a little bit husky, but there might be a sense that that feels masculine or familiar. I thought his actual speech clarity, because I follow all the candidates, was a bit better here, and maybe it's because he was passionate about his point. Sometimes, frankly, he mumbles. And I agree. His words I together. thought he was very articulate in this example, mm -hmm. and he had a great rate of speech. Agree. Very his good. pauses were very effective, as you're saying, and I didn't notice any vocalized pauses like ums or ahs, which, again, sometimes when he's just speaking casually, I do notice more uh, fillers or vocalized pauses. Yes, he mm -hmm. was well prepared for this debate, clearly. Okay, so what would you give Joe Biden as coaching advice in terms of how he could improve? Great question. Hmm. I, I, know I would that say his gesturing, his gesturing could be improved. I think it's very repetitive and, and not purposeful. It just doesn't really say much. His hands want to do something, but they're not doing yeah, something that yeah. I find authoritative. I don't know if you noticed this. He was also holding on to the podium at one point from the front. And I think that would be probably not the choice gesture I would advise for him, considering some of the, the negative feedback or some of the reasons they're attacking him is saying he's feeble or not able to, to you know, withstand the, the rigors of the campaign, et cetera, et cetera. So holding on to the podium, like, you're, like you're like, it's a yeah. walker is probably not a good idea. Uh -huh. <laughs> Anyone else? I might have him actually listen to himself regarding the speech clarity, especially on longer words. So rather than president, president, mm -hmm. I might have him work on certain word endings. 
and also watch this clip, a clip like this, to see, and this goes for our clients too, how am I when I'm at my best? What is it that motivates me to be at my best? I think that would be great coaching advice for him because one thing I will say overall, like when you put him next to, say, um, uh, Bernie, Bernie's very consistent. Uh, he comes across the same uh, most of the time mm-hmm. he presents, whereas Joe Biden's a little inconsistent in terms of his energy level, the way he can connect, his articulation, his memory recall. So we might want to work on keeping that energy level up and being a little bit more consistent. Right. Consistency is very important for leaders. Agree, you, agree, which is know. a nice circle back to mm-hmm. what we started with, which is what are the hallmarks of effective leadership communication. And again, we urge you to you know think about your messaging and be strategic with it, be succinct and avoid those data jumps, uh, polish your delivery with how you look and how you sound and articulate, and remember to be confident. You know, 90% of what makes a leader or a speaker effective is what happens in their brain before they even open their mouth. Who am I communicating with? How do I anticipate them to react? How am I going to organize it? What are the key messages I want them to remember, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what we want you to remember is that we want you to remember to lead and communicate and speak with impact. We are trainers in the Boston area and beyond. And, of course, we are speech royalty. That's why we're queens. Thank you so much for joining us today on Speech Queens. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here, Your Highness. Thank you, Deneen. Great to be here, Tori. And we are, I am Tori, and we are the Speech Queens. To get in touch with the Speech Queens, check the show notes for this episode for all of their contact information, or visit pod617.com slash queens, where you will find more information about the Queens and the full library of podcasts. Thanks for listening.